The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. Welcome to another exciting edition of Mothership with Steph, Brooke, and Noli here. And you know what, guys? Hawaii, I tell you, it is just home to so many amazing athletes. But when it comes to surfing, man, we hit the jackpot, right? I mean, Hawaii is the birthplace of surfing after all. And what's really cool, and I know you guys have noticed this too, is that, you know, when you look out there, when you go to the beach and the surf spots, you see a lot of young up and coming, you know, groms or surfers out there too that are really focused and they just charge. Yeah, they just charge. You know, you're a surfer and your daughter surf. For those not familiar, what do we mean when we say just charge? Well, I think it's 100% commitment in doing what you're doing, right? Like um, another thing they say is like, going or yours, yours. So you gotta go, especially on bigger waves. You can't waste them, right? They're so beautiful and so special, so do it oh yeah you know um, focus i love that and you know what that that kind of just describes one of the adjectives that just describes our special guests we are talking story with 23 year old pro surfer and one of the youngest surfers to surf a wave as big as a mountain at nazare in portugal we're talking about that really dangerous life-threatening surf spot in Portugal. Uh, she had no hesitation. We'll probably ask her for the details a little later. We are talking about Mahina Maeda. She's also a two times ISA World Junior Champion, a 2014 WSL World Junior Champ, and she hails from the North Shore of Oahu and also lives part-time in Japan. And wait, guys, that's not all. Sound the alarm right here because she is training for the Summer Olympics in Japan that's coming up in July. She's going to be a member of Team Japan. So let's give a warm welcome, everybody, to Mahina Maeda. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, honor, honor. Yeah, we're 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 so stoked to be talking uh, with Mm -hmm. you. Uh, Thanks, because we know you're so busy and you have such a really strict training regimen and routine. We'll get to that in just a bit. But you know, off the bat, I know a lot of people are wondering, like, what happened? Like, you watch on Team USA. Like, what happened? How can you show (laughs) Team Japan? You know, um, when I made the decision to actually surf for Japan. It was a little heartbreaking on my part as well. Um, you know, surfing under Hawaii is amazing. And I had the incredible blessing and I had incredible memories surfing under the flag. I had three world titles and, um, you know, I trained with the best. I had Reynos Hayes and Kahea Hart, Bert Ishimaru. They're all down the street. They're my neighbors. And I get to train with the best wow. coaches from Hawaii. And, um, you know... It was a decision where I wanted to take a step further in my career and I had the opportunity and I still have the opportunity and um, I actually hold dual citizenship so I hold both passports for Japan and as well as um, America and 
I've seen a lot of people struggle as a professional surfer coming from Hawaii, which is kind of saddening, you know, because we are the birthplace of surfing. And I didn't, I saw myself and I'm um, having the, a huge, huge future ahead of me. And I want to do whatever I can do to really uh, be successful in my life. So I really wanted to, you know, just kind of do what I want to do and do as long as I do what I love to do as long as I could. So I, it was a really hard decision and I had to do it. So yeah, you know, I mean, I just hope you didn't mind, but you know, we just have to. Have, <laughs> we would love to have you on Team USA. I mean, seeing all of your abilities out in the water, it's just mind blowing. So, uh, you know, our relationship with Japan, anyways, we're like sister cities and sister. You know, we have a great relationship. So this is our omiyage to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And but we're we're still gonna be rooting for you regardless. We're still mm-hmm. gonna be. Rooting for you but um you know let's let's get down to how it all started with you starting off with surfing I mean you started at a young age take us back to your early days so first of all I'm actually born and raised in the um the island of Oahu actually from um I was born in town so but I grew up on the north shore of Oahu I attended all the American schools and um unfortunately I didn't get to do all the normal things like any other um, high school or middle school student would do go to prom go to graduation actually missed my graduation two days before I went to Fiji the uh, two days before that so um, my dad and my mom are originally from Japan and they moved over here over 30 years ago and they uh, my sister and I are born here and we grew up you know just down the street from sunset so I learned how to surf at sunset beach and I went to all the menehuni contests that um, our awesome community actually provides for us and stuff so it, it's funny too because my sister actually didn't really like surfing and I was the one who fell in love with it so I pursued it and I tr- did my best and I attended a lot of the um, amateur events as well as HSA um, and as well as NSSA there's even the surfing to summer local motion events and stuff and I had an awesome upbringing and um, and huge huge like a lot of people like supporting me uh but that was also the problem too is everyone's like oh you're a Japanese but also you're an American like which one are you so it was kind of a hard deal to grow uh grow up with but I did my best and I'm here what I am doing right now yeah you surfed with the best too you surf with the the guys that turn pro too right exactly um it's funny too because actually I live down the street from Coco Mm -hmm. yeah um i north shore is such a tight-knit community and even if it's not north shore like i get to see carissa i don't know randomly in town and stuff we surf the same spots and um honestly we have such an amazing community and environment where we get to feed feed each other like energy and um the vibe is really good and stuff and even the underground surfers, not just the people who are competing and stuff. Like there's even pipe chargers who's down the road. My elementary school is just across the street from the most famous wave in the world. And I get to hear actually the contest speakers um, announcing scores. And then you can see them across the street and be like, oh, I want to go across the street. Like (laughs) it was super fun growing up on the North Shore. Yeah. When did you know though that surfing was going to be like a career? Um, I never really thought about it until maybe the age of 12. I think for any sport, um, a lot of people who attend sports, 
as a young age, they kind of find themselves as a professional at a pretty young age. And especially for surfers, uh, a lot of people are getting like pretty big contracts at the age of even 14 or 16 nowadays. Um, right now, I feel like the whole surfing community and the surfing business is a little bit struggling on because of COVID, um, which is kind of funny though, because there's a lot of people starting to surf nowadays, which is amazing because then it will ex expand our sport. Um, so hopefully with the Olympics as well, like um, surfing will be more recognized and people will start kind of engaging in like the way that people do for football or tennis and the other sports and stuff. Mm. So, so how do you define yourself now? Like, are, are you like in the category of a big wave surfer or like, how would you define yourself? I feel like I consider myself just a surfer. I mean, I only started surf, uh, doing big waves this past year. Even when I did catch that wave at Nazareth at the age of 16, it was all kind of more like an accident and on my uncle kind of purposely did it <laughs> so um i really want to pursue in that area as well because you know i want to be the best in the world and in order to be the best you have to conquer different parts and different aspects of surfing and one of the aspects that i've always wanted to really try out was actually big way surfing can you tell us more about that day um i i did read about it you know on, online and it, i i thought it was kind of funny but i'm sure it wasn't funny at the <laughs> It was in your situation, honestly. Um, it was actually two or three days after I won my first world title for the WSL side. Um, I actually traveled with three other Hawaiians, which is Bailey Nage, Baron Mamiya, and Kalona Apoan, as well as my dad. And my dad actually used to be tow partners with Garrett McNamara, which he's a Guinness oh. World Record holder. Mm -hmm. And he he's such a funny guy because my dad... So supposedly his tactic was he can easily trick my dad so then he could do the same thing for me. And the whole morning I was like, oh, I felt really skeptical of the whole situation. I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable out here. I'm on the backup ski. Like it, I'm just watching the boys kind of like almost die out there. I, I, I'm not going to catch a wave. I've just kept telling myself that. And like towards the end of the day, I was like, mm, maybe I can do it. Maybe I won't do it. And he kind of saw it in my face and Garrett goes, oh, your dad said to get one. And I was like, R really? <laughs> and my dad was actually ready to go back to the car because we thought we were going to meet him back at, at Uncle Garrett's house. And then next thing you know, the boys are screaming, oh, my God, Mahina's going to catch a wave. And uh, he was, they all dropped all their stuff and started running down the beach to go watch me. <laughs> Ooh, the pressure, huh? But then, the how did you get said it? Who was pulling you, Uncle Garrett? So yeah, I would. Um, Uncle Garrett put me on. He was towing me on that. He towed me on three waves, and there's also a backup ski. So the setup is really interesting in Nazareth. He made that wave work like a like an actual a destination place to go to as a surfer, mm -hmm. and not even as a surfer, as a spectator yourself. Um, there, the town is super small and before so he created an amazing system where there's a actual guy on a quad who is on a walkie-talkie his personal one and then there's a the city one where there's another quad just in case that 
anything happens. There's also a spotter on the lighthouse. And then there's also a backup jet ski in the water and as well as um, another ski, which is Uncle Garrett's driving. So mm-hmm. the wave itself is not a point break, like the way that um, Jaws or uh, all the outer reefs are. Mm-hmm. Um, Nazare is more of kind of like a be- like a beach break. So it has multiple peaks. So basically we're all kind of on a game plan, like, oh, go to peak A, go to peak B, go to peak C. Like we're, we have like this crazy system going over there. And um, he, he knows that wave by the back of the hand, which is super interesting because it's such a huge playing field. Mm-hmm. So um, I was pretty scared, honestly. <laughs> How was it once you were on it? Yeah. It's kind of funny though, because he, t- he kept telling me, just highlight it, which highlight means like you want to stay on top of the wave, not very top, but like as high as you can. Because he was telling me, oh, you can get the biggest barrel of your life. I'm like, are you sure? I think it's the biggest closeout of my life. <laughs> um, I seriously thought when I first caught the wave, I thought I was actually highlighting it the whole time. And then I realized as I got down more and more, it kind of get bit getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I looked up and I was like, oh my God, never mind. Like straight <laughs> down. <laughs> How was that ride on your knee? Like, did you feel it a lot? Like that ride down the wave or is it pretty, pretty mellow? To be honest, it's actually kind of funny, though, because, like, you would think that your legs have to be ultra, like, um, strong and stuff. Yeah, also, too, like, I do agree that your legs have to be strong in that situation. But um, I actually felt more sore in my shoulders because I'm getting dragged by the jet ski. Oh, yeah. So after that day, my arms were just completely, like, gone. I literally couldn't get myself up. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. And how big was that wave? Can you tell our listeners? I think my wave at Nazare was about 20 to 25 feet. So at that time, it was my biggest wave that I ever caught. And then this past project that I just did this past winter, actually, my biggest wave must have been like about 30 to 40 feet. <gasps> oh. Yeah. You, are you talking about when you talk about the past project? Are you talking about those videos that you have on your IG? Yes. Of, of that. Okay. Because you showed one wave where you caught it, and then you also showed where you got a wipeout too, yeah? I mean, yeah. I I had a couple sessions out at the Outer Reefs on the North Shore. Um, because of COVID, I really wanted to try something different. We were on pause with uh, competition, and I've always told myself, oh, I really want to go to Piahi, Jaws, in Maui, but... Um, we were aiming for that goal this year. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get there because of COVID. And there was a lot of swells that weren't particularly the mahi size. (laughs) Uh, A lot of the swells were pretty big. And uh, Maui too, it also is known for their wind. So it's hard to really find a good window to get an opportunity. So we had a couple tries and a couple disappointments out out of reefs. I mean, all the other times that I've had were amazing waves um the very last session was actually the the clips that we ended up taking which was two days before my birthday and might as well you know kind of make something out of it and I wanted to keep my name up going and it ended up being a very good learning experience too because it made me very hyper focused and um I did actually have an event in between the project where I had to go back to Japan to actually compete and to get onto the ISA which is the Olympic qualifier event and um 
honestly, it was beneficial on both parts because I was able to get the wave and then also um, just have a different training regimen. Yeah, you know, um, just looking at you, you're just 23 years old, you're still really young, but the way that you approach everything, and this is just from observation, I mean, just like how you are very disciplined and you have a set schedule, um, I mean, is this all you're doing? I mean, are you able, are you just that kind of a person um, Um, who knows like you need to do all these things in order to get here to, to be successful? Well, I guess, yeah, a lot of people tell me that I'm pretty mature for a 23 year old, but you know, I, as a teenager, when I was actually 16, even when I did win all those world juniors and stuff, I, I'm going to admit, I did, did, I did do bad things. I did do like normal teenage things and that's just life. And I learned a lot from that. And, um, as I got older, as I got maybe around 20, it was more clear to me that what I wanted to do was actually be a world champion. And in order to be a world champion, you really have to make a lot of sacrifices and you have to be very disciplined. And um, I've been actually financially um, independent since I was 16. So, and I moved out when I was 18. So I really had to kind of get my ducks in a row and, you know, I did my best and um, it's not, and surfing is a very lonely role, but road but the people who actually succeed in their lives they have a team and I actually have a very solid team this this year and I'm really really thankful for the people that's in my life which is Kid Pelegro which he is a a fifth degree black belt for jiu-jitsu and as well as my also personal trainer and then I started working with Ross Williams this past year which is also John John's um, coach and obviously my family and my sponsors and my team back in Japan as well, which is my managers, all my friends and family and this. So basically like, it's not just me right now, it's everyone. Yeah, and just for our um, listeners out there who may not be aware, um, and again, just from my observation, and you can add and correct me if I'm wrong, Mahina, but I mean, she trains really hard. I mean, I've seen, you know, the videos of her doing even like breathing techniques and practicing breathing techniques, slowing down her breathing and and being calm and then also doing water work, a lot of water work. And so that, you know, when the wave is coming also, you know, how to move your body Um, and the jujitsu, that's amazing too, that you just picked up and you just, you got your uh, blue belt. Is that right? Yeah, I'm super happy that I got my blue belt. It took a while. (laughs) Awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of hard training. Mm -hmm. I guess it kind of, it's good because it keeps me occupied. Um, I'm a type of person where I love training. I love being hyper-focused and stuff. But then at the same time, if I surf too much, I kind of almost lose a little interest and I feel burnt out. So it kind of gives me two different worlds where I can focus on training that has nothing to do with surfing with jiu-jitsu for instance for, um, for instance i actually started doing um jiu-jitsu three four years ago but without a gi which is the the actual robe and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and originally the reason why i started um doing self-defense or jiu-jitsu is actually for my personal sake as a woman because you know there's people there's definitely people who are attacking pe- girl women and there's times where you're, you need to defend yourself. And also too, I kind of did come from, um, my high school is known for 
all the awesome fights. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to do it. That's how to do it. That's does awesome. it play a role? Jiu-jitsu though, does it play a role in surfing too? And maybe getting back up on the board or on state being stable? Honestly, it actually does um, play a huge role in surfing. Not stance or technique wise, it's actually mentally. And um, for surfers or people who uh, are familiar with surfing and stuff, the ocean is very unpredictable. So you're going to be able to catch a lot of waves, but they're not going to always be the same wave. So as it breaks, you're going to have to react to where you want to be able to do the turn or where you place the maneuver and all that kind of stuff. So with jujitsu as well, you're also in a situation where you're not attacking the person, but you're also training with another person, but you can't read their mind. So let's say you're in, um, like you're in a situation where you're on their side, like there's different ways to approach it. And it's a matter of being um, adaptable. All right. So the Olympics are coming up July 23rd. Mm-hmm. What is your mentality and how is preparing for this and getting yourself focused for this different from say another surf competition? Um, for my men- mental, for my mental say, I feel like I'm at my, um, I wouldn't say hundred percent yet because I want to be a hundred percent right when I get there. And I feel like I'm just going to be peaking at the right time. And I feel very good. I, worked a lot this past maybe two months ever since I got home from Japan and I have amazing people um, behind me so I have no doubts or anything like that the only thing that I am stressing about is actually packing so (laughs) (laughs) but other than that everything's really good and honestly I'm actually gonna miss home I'm gonna miss Hawaii um, until I'm gonna go do my work and do my job Right. And, um, you know, would you say that you kind of have an edge, though, over uh, the competitors because you live part time in Japan? So that makes you that much more familiar with that particular surf break. And maybe maybe you have had a chance to surf it more than they have. Um, I wouldn't say I would have an edge because all the surfers um, that are competing to get into the Olympics or even in the Olympics right now. Um, they're all talented and stuff. I think the only thing, if once I started or once I start thinking about others, I'm, it's going to be my fault where I'm going to be overthinking the situation. So I, this is kind of how I think it's more right here, right now, and just yourself. Mm. So what, what is it like at that, that particular surf break for, for the Olympics? Um, it's not really my favorite wave in the world, <laughs> but um, it's doable, I do have to say. But the one thing that a lot of people will love while they're there is the food, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I love Japan. So good. Gosh. It's what, what, what do you, yeah, what do you, um, what are your dietary needs? <laughs> it's funny, too, because um, when everyone asks me what my hobby is they're like what's your hobby and I'm like eating <laughs> I love eating um awesome my favorite I I guess everything is rice so it's kind of similar to Hawaii uh we have fresh fish over there as well so there's the sushi trains so mm-hmm. I try not to eat a lot of carbs but I can't really help it and then their candies really- <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
Oh, the candy. <laughs> desserts, right? Yeah. The candy and their desserts, man. And the way they, they like display it. I mean, it's so... Even okay. if you just go to the local 7-Eleven, I mean, in Japan, the 7-Elevens and the Lawson's so good. you could just make a whole dinner party just going shopping at 7-Eleven. It's awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm just so I'm 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 in awe. I'm in awe of you because and mm. and I'm not the only one. I'm sh- and like in Japan, it's clear they have your back, you know. And and just seeing you know the campaigns, uh, they made you into an and like a cartoon, like an anime uh, character as well. Yeah, that was honestly probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever experienced. So, what I did actually was I filmed a. Olympic commercial two years ago in Tahiti and it was actually for SK2 which is a huge skincare line um, in Asia it's actually a company from P&G Procter and Gamble and I got the opportunity to with um, several other athletes to be a part of this huge campaign which is called the VS series or the rules or change destiny now and um, when I heard the 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 written approach for this commercial i was completely shocked because i've never been a part of this huge um like this huge idea of being half anime and then half and then half actual real life um scenery and stuff i mean i've done other commercials before but this is probably one of the biggest ones i've ever done in my life yeah and and for the listeners out there if you haven't seen it it's really really dramatic i mean it's like you know, well, I, I I don't understand Japanese as well, um, just squash, but <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it, it shows you with the board and there's like this huge like wave that's as, like as tall as a mountain and then you go out there, right? And then, then like all your supporters are on the beach just watching you in awe. So I'm like, geez, she's like a goddess. <laughs> ah, that's how. Yeah, I, what I love about that campaign, it, uh, when I actually was being casted for the, the, the commercial, they asked a lot of my personal questions. So that movie actually is, relates a lot to my life. And I really have to say that I did have a lot of bad moments in my life and I had a slump and I actually almost wanted to quit. So the fact that as SK2 was able to really show my side of the story in an animation and as well and uh, half animation, half real life. I'm super, honestly, like, I almost cried when I actually did watch the, um, the, the, the commercial itself. So it's com- like a lot of people, you know, only see the, the happy side, the good side, like, oh, they have the luxury life. But as an athlete, you lose so much in your life you lose a lot of your personal life you lose a lot of people and hardships and your feeling stuff so i'm super happy that sk2 was able to capture my that part of my life mm, you ever get the feeling that you have to compete or prove yourself or work harder just because you're a female um not just as a female honestly i actually felt like um ever since i actually did switch from hawaii to um japan there was a lot of the times where in Japan, even too, like I felt a little bit of an outcast because they always see me as a um, an American. And my Japanese isn't the best as well. And I 
I've gotten a lot better, which is kind of funny too, because um, in Japan and the culture is like you pick a fortune and it's literally, my fortune literally said, you should work on your Japanese a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wow. There was a lot of the times where I felt like, oh, like you should, you know, like, can you actually speak Japanese or do you even understand what I'm saying? And I'm not a, I'm not an idiot. I, I can, I, I know how to speak Japanese. I know what you guys are saying and stuff. And mm-hmm. I want to prove to Japan that I am, the, uh, I want to represent them and stuff, but I'm also want to represent both Hawaii as well. So. Yeah. I think the combination of, you know, the values that Japan instills in its people and the values here and the cultural values that Hawaii also instills in, in us. It's really cool that you have a combination of that, of those traits, if, if you know what I mean. Like, I mean, Japan, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Asian culture, you know, humble, but also very focused um, and, you know, quiet and, and silent observing, right? And in Hawaii, it's like aloha and, you know, the aloha spirit. Um, can you describe that, you know, combination and, and how you exude that at all or what that does for you personally? I'm honestly super blessed that I actually um, was born and raised here in Hawaii. And I grew up with a lot of them, um, obviously Americans, especially in the North Shore, there's not a lot of like half mixes like um, Japanese or anything like that. So as a the American side of me, I'm kind of like there's the the pride the 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 strong and the confident person inside me and as well as the humble side so which is the Japanese side and for me my goal as a as um, time goes on I really want to set an example for the Japanese and as well as the people who are struggling uh, to dual images and stuff too so um someone like Naomi Osaka, who's an awesome tennis mm-hmm. player, she's also from America and representing Japan. And um, that's why I want that's what, what I want to prove to Japan is that, you know, like, don't hold any opinion back, just say it out loud. And even if it does backfire, then accept it. And, you know, that's how we grow. And that's how we are actually should be the, um, the number one um, athletes in the world. Because, we have the humble side. We're very talented. We're just uh, very, I would say, asleep or dormant. <laughs> <laughs> That's well put. That's well yeah. put. You have so much knowledge as a such a young, you know, the listeners. You're 23. Is that right, Mahina? Yes, so, I am. <laughs> yeah, so young. I mean, you're spitting knowledge <laughs> to us, 40 something year olds here, and we, we, we love it. And we're just getting a new glimpse on life and all the good things that you can make of it with that mindset that you have. Yeah. I, I mean, I think yeah, it's inspiring, especially, I mean, like Brooke Noli and me, we, we have kids, you know, we're moms um, and Brooke's daughter. I mean, Noli's daughters are into surfing, you know, they're a surfing family. Um, and jujitsu. Uh, and jujitsu too. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, in what way, uh, you know, uh, how important is it for a parent's involvement or how mm. did your parents shape who you are today? Um, it's something that I don't really like talking about too. That's, um, you know, it's kind of bad to say 
for on my part because you should always love your family and stuff but I actually did have a really rough upbringing with my family and it's not in um like in a terrible way but almost in a way where I felt like a little bit very pushed too mm. much and I'm very grateful for the people that I have right now that I can actually navigate certain areas that um that I lack on or have um or that I try to push away and stuff and I feel like I learned a lot of my wisdom from Kid Pellegro himself he has a very interesting life and um he kind of reminds me of this like Star Wars of Yoda like just every information is just and it's funny too because he says it a lot of it in analogies and um right mm -hmm. now my family and I are on good terms and stuff too but I it's it's something that I don't really talk about and actually it's funny too because a lot of people in interviews and stuff do actually ask me about this and um my parents did an amazing job with me they've pushed me in the right way and stuff and um and I grew up on the North Shore of Oahu like imagine if they actually didn't meet and I wasn't there or maybe I was in town it would have been a little bit more different with my lifestyle so um but yeah there there was a lot of hardships that I had to face on my own and it was unlike any other and I think one thing that I have to say is that you almost kind of have to make um make your kid like make mistakes because then that's how they learn from it mm -hmm. Gosh, that is, that is, I, yeah yeah I mean I wanted I was curious too I mean you have so much knowledge at such a young age and you articulate it really well too so but I'm curious you know you talked about just hardships and just you know as an athlete there's some slumps that everyone kind of goes through and I think the elite athletes figure out how to kind of push through them and you know work through the downturns and and ride the upturns as much as you can like can you talk to or about that like how do you kind of get through you know some of the hard stuff so one of the things that I did so funny situation is actually in the Japanese culture at the age of 17 or 18 if you're a woman it's called your yakudoshi year mm -hmm. which is basically your bad luck year mm -hmm. <laughs> you have it actually several uh different times of your lifetime yes. and right when I actually felt like I had a slump was actually when I had the yakudoshi year at the seven at the age of 17 and 18 so I was um I wanted to quit surfing I was losing and I just I lost sponsors and all this kind of stuff and I, I, truthfully I was really 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 just um all over the place and I wanted to move out and I did and I kind of lashed out and was like hey I'm done I'm quitting but then the good thing is it's so funny how life works though because you meet people for a reason and mm -hmm. around that time of the um when I felt like I was having the slump that's how I started growing a bigger um and stronger relationship with uh Kid Pellegro himself and he was basically my rock and um where there's times that I've had doubts where I wanted to quit. I didn't want to surf. I didn't want to look at a surfboard or even where I felt like, okay, do I kind of want to surf again? Um, he said the right thing at the right time and it was never very pushing. So um, 
at that part at that point in my life I decided also to get my trainer's license for Gymnastica Natural which is one of the trainings that we do still to this day which is a mix of yoga jiu-jitsu and um, we incorporate a lot of the surfing maneuvers as well so mm. I started teaching classes and it gave me the love to actually teach people because it made me feel good about myself how I was able to give back to the community and it made me realize that oh I like you know, like I can do this and I can also surf at the same time. And it made me feel um, better because also too, I'm thinking not just an, as an athlete, but I'm also thinking as an instructor myself. Helping others helps you too, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love that. That's awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, is, is there going to be a period coming up soon where you're just going to shut off everything so you can just focus on the Olympics because it is quickly approaching or is your approach just, eh, you know? I think um, all the other mistakes that I've done in my life, I kind of was, I've been in situations where I've been very close to qualifying by two spots every single time. And, um, And those are the times where I was almost putting too much focus on that particular event where I was was like, okay, I need need to make one more heat or I need to make two more heats to qualify. And um, this past year and this last event, all I thought of it was, eh, it's just a contest. Let me just do it. I'll just do whatever I could and set no expectations. And it's the same thing with people who are um, having injuries as well. If you set a deadline to when you're going to get better, then you'll um, you start doubting yourself as the time approaches so for these next couple events um with the olympics and as well as isa and even if the wsls are on then i my mindset is more like okay i'm just gonna play it heat by heat and just enjoy myself and keep knitting (laughs) (laughs) knitting oh is that your other outlet knitting so my hobbies are knitting and eating (laughs) that was perfect yeah what do you knit so lately i've been knitting a scarf and as well as a cardigan oh it's nice major major yeah Yeah. i uh, okay does it look like fashionable or like are we are we in that stages of knitting or is this like the crochet kind (laughs) no the first so actually my cardigan I was aiming for like a really cute color and by a total mistake, I bought something a totally different color. So this is just going to be my. <laughs> oh man, we can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, that would be cool if you came up with your own fashion line. Oh knitting, yeah. You know, knits. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a company called We Are Knitters. <laughs> oh. Is that your company? No, it's not. Oh. It, but um, I was always told, "Oh, go to We Are Knitters." <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever sell them on on any uh, platform once you're uh, up and running? I think I'm good, but I have a lot <laughs> of requests uh, to do beanies, so I, that's a good thing because I'll probably be knitting a, a lot during contests and stuff. So, and if I have a bunch of finished product laying around, that wouldn't be very good. <laughs> Hey, yeah, we'll look for those products, man. I'm, any way to support you and your journey and, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, so here's a question for you. 
Um, what do you think is going to be uh, the last meal that you eat before um, competition day in uh, for for your in Olympics? Japan? Yeah. Yeah. What What is your go to? Uh, in Japan. Mm. Yes. Okay, my go to food in Japan is honestly. I, well, it's funny because I like to snack on candy. So um, I love those mushroom chocolate things. Yeah, me too. Oh, yes. yes. By Meiji. We're going to give them a shout out. It's by Meiji. Exactly. Meiji. That's what I, I always those are... eat there. <laughs> those are good. Yeah. Those are good. Good. Those are okay, good. Okay. Okay. What about in Hawaii? Before you in leave. In Hawaii. Last, um, last meal. Um, I just love poke and leilies they're on the north shore yeah. right yeah mm. and actually we're going tonight too so we're really good friends with oh, um, nice. the owners and they always take care of us and awesome service awesome good food and everything and stuff so the vibe is amazing yeah, yeah there's yeah, something magical nice there. about the north shore i tell you i love going out there i mean you just get so lost and then just all in this purity and then when you get back to the city then it's back to the hustle bustle and people just cut you off they don't say thanks like <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean exactly yeah. but you know yeah yeah sure the sun is setting in here in hawaii the sun is setting. talking to us oh. during a power outage <laughs> <laughs> oh man all this talk about uh japanese food is Ooh, just making yeah. me think about all the sushi okay. <laughs> yeah. so awesome yeah i mean there's nothing compared you can't compare no, but you know, not to japan you know one thing that we forgot to ask is who did was there anybody that you idolized in in surfing mm. that you, you always dreamed or you looked to and you're like wow i wish i could you know emulate that person or gain those type of skills uh -huh. I never really idolized anyone. I think um, I when, maybe when I was younger, yeah. But um, honestly, I think I rather idolize myself. But I'm at the moment. I'm at the point in my life where not point in my life, but I'm at my surfing isn't where I want it to be, and I feel like I give myself more um, inspiration and more. Um, the hungerness where I always strive to be the best and strive to uh, work on my surfing more. And I want to be my own surfer rather than copying someone else's style. So um, it gives me that freedom and no expectation again. So I, yeah, I just rather consider myself my own favorite surfer, I guess. I mean, I do have a lot of people that um, inspire me and they're amazing people and I love their surfing and stuff. But when it comes to like deep down thoughts and stuff about, about like my all time hero, I never really kind of thought about it. I just was always like, I want to be my own hero. Right on, right yeah, on. I like that, yeah. Yep. Hey, um, what advice do you have for any groms out there or up and comers or, uh, you know, young kids that, are looking to follow in your footsteps, but maybe are they're a little bit scared? Um, well, first of all, I think that you should go into surfing with a very open mind. Um, try not to be too harsh on yourself, especially during the amateur days. There's so many things that you can do in your life and your middle school and high school is only once in your life. So just really appreciate those times of your life. And um, also, be smart 
come up with backup plans and stuff and you know try not to be too harsh on yourself because there we have only one life and we only get to experience things once in your life so mm-hmm. um you know just be very open-minded just always have a happy smile on your face and it's not uh, it's funny too because like the first thing that we all think about like as an example like you know how we fantasize about saying oh what are the three wishes that you want to have and everyone says I want money I want to be successful I want to be a celebrity um honestly the first thing I ask for is to be happy and I want and I want my second one is to have others to be happy because if you're not being successful in your life then you're not happy so just um you know play day by day don't expect too much and just live a very happy happy life gosh yeah it's good stuff yeah we're all seeking happiness man yeah Mm -hmm. in the form of food (laughs) knitting (laughs) those chocolate mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) well i know i asked you earlier to um you know prepare a an inspirational quote or or have one ready to share um, that was pretty inspirational in and of itself, but, you know, by all means, if you have one, um, do you have any to share with us? Um, so what I usually tell myself and a lot of the people that ask me this question is, um, don't try not to dwell in your past and try not to think about too much of the future and really just think about what you're doing right now, because what right now is the most important time of your life. Mm-hmm. yes we forget about that yeah so good reminder yeah yep. oh mahina yeah um we'll be watching you we'll be watching awesome. you eyes on you in, in chiba and the japan olympics thank you for being here you're an awesome 23 year old who's going on 40 i think wiser than us so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for spending knowledge appreciate you, thank you so much yeah mahina thank you for joining us for your time i know you're busy and for just the inspiration and we're going to be cheering from you, for you, watching you, even beyond the Olympics. You know, I think there's really big things ahead for you. So keep doing what you're doing and gambate. Yeah, <laughs> gambate, man. We, we're going to, we're going to be cheersing you on, you know, not just cheering you on, but we're going to be cheersing <laughs> you on and doing our karaoke at home too and Ooh, celebrating. So. Karaoke. Yeah, yeah. How can but, people follow you? How can, how can people follow you, Mahina? Um, people can follow me on my Instagram, which is my first and last name, Mahina Maeda, and as well as my, I don't really update my Twitter, but it's basically the same thing, and as well as Facebook. Right. All right. It's such an honor to be able to meet mm-hmm. you and also to get to know you and understand, you know, where you're headed. And it seems so exciting, especially with the Olympics coming up. We're so excited for that. And we're so so excited, even though you're not going to be on Team USA, you're still representing us and you're doing us proud already enough as you are. So thanks again, Mahina, for joining us on Mothership and being with us. And everybody out there, you know how to get in touch with us too on our Facebook page. So join us there and we'll also see you next week. Until then, aloha, or as you say in Japanese. Uh... Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> Sayonara. Or arigato. Arigato. Right? Or Johnny. Oh, Jamata. That's you later. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. All of that. Yeah. See? All good stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
got it. We're ready for the Olympics. Right. Here we go. Keep we it go. up. Aloha. Take care, Good everyone. Luck, Nina. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Yes, we're gonna break up down.